0: you're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Riddle. We're hanging out here today because one day while hiking in Peru, after just having been let go from my dream job, it hit me. There's so much more to life and there's no excuse for not embracing uncertainty and trying new things to really explore our full potential in this lifetime. On this weekly podcast, you'll hear from successful entrepreneurs, creative thinkers, and visionaries just like you, so that you feel less alone as you pursue everything you want and deserve in this lifetime. This is a space where big sky thinking is welcomed and conversations about daily betterment are essential. So if you're ready to stop living an ordinary life and start living a visionary life, then welcome home. Hey Visionaries, welcome back to the show. I'm super excited to introduce you to Jessica Malik, current VP of Marketing and Insights for Social Nature, which is a discovery platform powered by half a million natural shoppers. Jessica is truly a pioneer of this concept that you may never have heard of before. It's called online to offline marketing. I know there's a lot of buzzwords in there. Online to offline marketing. So, if you don't know what it is, you're going to have to listen to the episode and if you've heard of it, but you're not implementing it in your business, you're also going to want to tune in and have Jessica enlighten us on the topic. So Jessica actually co-authored or authored rather the ebook called The Complete Guide to Online to Offline Marketing or as we'll refer to it, O2O Marketing for CPG brands featuring 50 pages of tips from 17 CPG expert contributors. So if you're a brand that promotes online and sells in stores, Then this episode is a must listen. Again, if you promote online but you sell in stores, this is the concept of online to offline marketing. So I'm really excited to introduce you to this episode and I'll share more on Jessica in a minute. But first, I just wanted to take a pause and say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you. I just wrapped up my reporting and metrics for the month of May. And the podcast actually hit a record number of downloads in May. So gosh, that made my heart swell so much because as you know, I've been doing the podcast for over four years and to see the amount of downloads that came in in just one month, I'm still trying to figure out why there was such a surge. I did start sending out a weekly Thursday email that promotes a past episode Uh, But I also think that we've just had some really great guests sharing and getting the podcast into new hands. Regardless, it means a lot and so much gratitude to all of you who are reviewing or screenshotting and sharing the show. Uh, Special shout out to Brienne; She shared the show recently and Jade. Jade, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. So I wanted to shout out both of you. Okay, let's get into this week's episode. Jessica and I actually once worked together at a plant-based supplement company called Vega, and so we've stayed connected, and you know, the power of LinkedIn, right? I love social media for staying connected to all the wonderful people I've interacted with, but she started sharing about this topic of O2O marketing and how the four stages could translate to the growth of online product discovery into in-store sales. So I just knew this was gonna be a great conversation. So in this episode, we're gonna dive deep into what the four stages of the O2O model are and how you can begin building through their step-by-step framework. We talk about tips for enhancing your chances of getting discovered online, how to capture emails on your website. We talk about the power of free samples and demos in encouraging in-store purchase. We talk about what to do after the sale has been made to continue the conversation. With your customers and to turn them into brand evangelists. And we also talk about some of Jessica's favorite marketing books and the best marketing advice she's ever received. So go ahead and click the link in the show notes if you want to connect with Jessica. I will share her LinkedIn there, or you can find out more at socialnature.com. And I just want to make one little side note this podcast was recorded a few months ago, and originally I recorded it for another podcast that I host called The Marketing Hotline. But we are actually on a pause with The Marketing Hotline. It was just so much, a lot to run two weekly podcasts. I was starting to feel like I was just trying to keep up. And because Visionary Life has such a bigger audience and we have a way more established brand Um, I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't spreading myself too thin. Do you guys ever feel that way? Like (laughs) you're spreading that peanut butter way too thin on your piece of toast. That's sometimes how we feel when we are entrepreneurs, when we're business owners, when we're wearing a lot of hats. So I put the marketing hotline on hold, but I'm still taking time to air all of the episodes on Visionary Life. So same amazing content, but this episode will have a bit more of a marketing spin. Is that cool with you? Because marketing is going to help you find more clients and boost your revenue. So yeah, let's do marketing today. All right, visionaries, I hope you enjoy it. Don't forget to snap a photo, share on your IG stories, and tag me at Kelsey Riddle so I see it. And maybe you'll be shouted out in our next episode. So have fun listening to this one. I had so much fun recording it and I will catch you all next week. Jessica, welcome to the Marketing Hotline podcast. I'm so excited to sit down and chat with you today. And my first question that I ask to all of our guests is, when people call you and they ring you up and they're asking you for marketing advice, what topics are they usually picking your
1: brain on? <laughs> well, wow, thank you so much, Kelsey, for having me on the show, and that's such a great question. Um, a lot of the questions are are really around just like how do I scale my business? Like I work with a lot of early stage companies or mid sized companies, and it's always about making sure that the marketing strategy is aligned with the overall go-to-market picture and then figuring out like which channels should i be focusing on first like if i'm a startup um if i'm trying to expand like which channels would be best for me to expand in and then within these channels what what strategies should i be using uh from a marketing perspective to to grow and thrive in these channels and so that starts to map back to you know understanding the overall business growth strategy what success looks like what the resources are and then it begins to map back to the overall brand positioning and then how do my products and services Align with this brand positioning or my mission right and so it's a lot of alignment work and then connecting that alignment work to being able to measure success and helping people to quickly validate early as best as we can around how do I actually establish product market fit. Um, How can I understand quickly if this is resonating? What kind of data do I need or what kind of tests should I be running to evaluate this? And so that's a lot of what it is. Um, And it is becoming a lot more of a a data-driven business these days for everybody. So it's about understanding, like, what is the right data to make the right decisions? And it's about asking the right questions, I find, in the first place.
0: Mm, wow, they come to you with some juicy <laughs> questions. <laughs> a
1: lot of big questions. And that's what it is. You've got to be able to actually figure out, like, what is the right question to ask in the first place? Because what we see is the question, right, actually helps you to unearth the solution. So wrong question might actually bring the wrong result in the problem solving part. So mm-hmm. question definition is a big part of this entire thing.
0: Such a good point. Now, because people come to you with all of these questions, I think the listeners probably wondering, like, what is your background? Could you give us a super quick synopsis of what your career and what your path has been over the past few decades?
1: Yeah, so I'm a hybrid. I do have a degree in business and marketing from SFU and I've been working, you know, since I was a kid across a variety of jobs and when I decided to go into marketing, uh, really it was because I figured that no matter what you want to do in your life, uh, whether it's to inspire social change to grow a company or just increase awareness in your own community of something that you believe is important, marketing is a skill that supports change. And so it's from this platform that I began my marketing career. And ironically, my first looking for marketing jobs, it was so hard to find a job that wasn't like a really low paying entry level admin thing. So I said, you know what? I think I'm actually going to start out with sales. So I began my marketing career, ironically, on the front line, doing sales and selling advertising and marketing solutions for several years. And I found that that front line experience really helps you to cut to the chase of like what's important to customers and to develop your your mindful listening, I would call them skills, uh to, to make sure that you understand how to align your value proposition. And that's what any good marketer needs to do, right? So you 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 begin to develop this this natural empathy, which I think I got through that frontline experience. And I began my my career in the natural product industry. So helping natural brands win and in, in the CPG marketplace with a live publishing group. And so that is a company that educates consumers in the United States and Canada about natural health solutions. And I worked with them for several years. And then I went on to work with a high growth company at the time Called Vega, which is where you and I first crossed paths, Chelsea. Uh, yes. And uh, Vega was was like a playground for marketers. So we were in a very high growth phase at the time, uh, at about twenty six million, and went to one hundred million in revenue over three years. And then the company was sold for half a billion US uh, just thereafter. And so we got to go ahead and try different things and be able to experiment with a lot of different marketing strategies uh, across. Uh, the consumer journey from digital to e-commerce to content to influencer marketing and external events. And so that was a really good um, foundation actually as a marketer to begin to learn and to learn how to test and, and iterate quickly in a high growth environment. So that's kind of where I've come from. And now I'm with social nature uh, which is a combination of tech and CPG marketing. It's a discovery platform for consumers to be able to find new natural products that align with their health and lifestyle goals. And we help them make the change or the switch, if you will, to these products through product education and trial. So it's been a fun journey. I've got to dabble a little bit in tech. I've worked with a data company out of New York City that specializes in product digitization of data and then leveraging that data to do personalized marketing across e-commerce channels. And that's been really helpful uh, to inform digital strategies and ways to build like the right content and products to connect with target audiences Mm. that wasn't a quick background but I hope (laughs) hopefully it was helpful
0: yeah but I think all of it was very relevant and I love what you said actually you know where you and I first connected was at Vega and you called it a playground for marketers and I love that analogy because I, I even try to channel that in the marketing consulting that I do right now like I want marketing to be as fun as it was at vega and to be as experimental and i always kind of try and bring that approach to everything that i'm doing like how can we make this enjoyable so that analogy of a playground for marketers (laughs) it really resonated with me because i think you know a lot of people do look at marketing and they're like oh it's just all numbers and data and it's not fun but i think if we can infuse that play back into it like it can be an enjoyable part of your business and it can be um i don't know just life giving when you land on strategies that really do light you up and that really um, produce benefit and result for the brand.
1: I love that you said that. And I feel like when you're coming from that place of playfulness and that energy that comes there, that's where often our best ideas come from. They might be a little out of the box or crazy even in the moment, but then you start to distill them down. And so without this playfulness We may not have the level of innovation and risk taking that's required to be successful in in marketing and business these days. Mm,
0: yeah, it's that fine balance, right? Yeah. Like bringing <laughs> that sure. fun and playfulness <laughs> and still always reflecting on what's working. So, um, exactly. Okay, so at Social Nature, so that's where you are today, you've kind of yes. pioneered this concept of online to offline marketing, which is really designed to translate the growth of online product discovery into in-store sales. And Uh, In your words, you do this by bridging two trends. So first, consumers are now primarily searching for new products online. And second, the highest volume of retail sales remains at brick and mortar stores. So I love this because it's a concept that I hadn't really considered before uh, you guys kind of brought the term online to offline marketing To my awareness, but I'm wondering can you share more about why you are so passionate about this O2O model and who needs to be paying attention to this right
1: now? Wow, what a great question. Um, Yeah, so I'm passionate about this model uh, because it's got synergy around it, which when we have synergy, what we mean is, or what we get is, we get more efficiencies across our marketing budgets. And we tend to get better results because one activity is feeding into another and the online to offline marketing cycle is placing the consumer at the center of the journey. So we're deeply understanding where they're spending their time, what their pain points are, what they're searching for, and then we're mapping out the online and the offline cycle to align with what these things are, and then we're getting to build relationships with people directly because we're pioneering this cycle from a digital standpoint why is that important because with digital we can can, we can continue to communicate after the sale we can set up email marketing funnels where we can connect and ultimately what we're doing which is really important in cpg regardless of your category is to have direct relationships with consumers Uh, If you're an early stage company or emerging kind of brand and you're trying to win on the shelf, you cannot be just relying on in-store traffic and hoping to get noticed. It's an absolute risk. And so with the online to offline marketing cycle, what we're doing is we're creating an engine that can create more predictable impact in that store by targeting people online and then mobilizing them offline to where your products are sold. So this helps to build that in-store awareness that we need to get noticed in the first place, to start moving our units off the shelf, and then to be able to build these relationships after the sale to get better data that then feed back, feeds back into our business strategy, whether that be evaluating the product performance, getting reviews, or even starting to crowdsource like the next big idea from these people that have just gone and tried your product.
0: Oh, I love this so much. And I honestly like could open my cupboards right now (laughs) and look at a lot of the brands that I purchase on a regular basis. And there is this hybrid of like, I'm following the brand on Instagram, or I found them on some sort of natural health marketplace or whatever the case is. And then when I was shopping in store, I saw the product on shelf and I already had this baseline level of awareness and I was already very um, savvy of like what the benefits of the product were and like whether it was for me or not. And so naturally at the store level, I picked it up and bought it, but I'm sure a lot of that came from what happened before I entered the store, which was seeing the brand and interacting with it on online and being on their email list or, you know, like there's so many things that go into making a purchasing decision that uh, you're just putting this into words for me. And I'm finally realizing, like, this is how we buy these days, right?
1: A hundred percent. And that's why I you asked me who should know this. Well, I think every company should know this because it's a simple model that you can follow and you can structure your activities across each of the stages. And it grounds it and it makes it um, something you can take action on and it's aligned with what you just said, Kelsey, which is what consumers are actually doing. We're not trying to force a behavior here. What we're doing is we're actually aligning ourselves and our, our tactics to behaviors that are naturally happening. So you say
0: it's a simple model and there are four (laughs) stages. So can you quickly give us an overview before we kind of do the deep dive on each stage? What are these four stages?
1: Yeah. So there's four main stages and the first one is all about the online discovery process. So being able to, first of all, decide like, who is my target audience? And doing a little bit of like online research, maybe some social listening, a little bit of like online focus groups to get a sense of like um, who your audience would be, like where are they spending their time? What are they looking for, et cetera? And then starting to build a content strategy around this online discovery. And so from that, we can generate demand through several different ways. And then we can mobilize that online demand that we've generated into the stores for purchase. So that's the second stage, which is the offline purchase. There's different ways to drive the offline sales through that digital funnel, basically, whether it's a free product offer or a special uh, coupon offer or something that's gonna get people's attention. And what's exciting is is that we're we're developing um, this great sales strategy, and then it doesn't stop at the sale. So they bought the products. And then the third part is actually having a feedback loop with the consumer after they've purchased the product so that you're able to get a sense of like what was their experience you can identify enhancement opportunities you can capture product reviews you can set up a contest for user-generated content and it's all about getting that feedback and so the final stage is what I'm calling um, amplification is how do I then amplify that content and how do I then amplify that consumer engagement and that's where we can start to build community strategies so we can start to engage people in our next campaigns Uh, we can have them opt in maybe to even like ambassador programs and all kinds of stuff
0: Mm, okay amazing so that's a really good overview of the four stages and i will just say here for the listener who is like I would like this in a visual model, I will link <laughs> yes. the um, I'll link the opt-in page for this amazing ebook that you guys have created. Because right in that ebook, you can actually see the visual of what these four stages are, and you guys do a great job of breaking it down. So we'll kind of say that for the person who wants to go super deep on this. Um, let me bring it back to the very first stage. So you say the first stage in the online to offline journey is online discovery. So say for somebody who has a brand new product and they're like, okay, like I know I need to be online, but I don't necessarily know, like there's so many places I could be showing up and they know they need to have a multi-channel strategy, but they have no idea where to begin. So what are some of the things we should consider in mapping out this online discovery strategy? This episode is sponsored by The Visionary Method. The Visionary Method is a seven-step system that's going to help you create and launch your business successfully. We've had 200 people go through it, and it's going to help you to generate your first 50000 in revenue, even if you're starting at zero. You can learn more at www.kelseyriddle.com tvm.
1: Awesome question. So I think the first thing is best we can um, is to try to do a little bit of like research first online. So try to be able to connect with people and do some research and really just ask them, like, where are you spending your time? What kinds of things are you looking for? And then be able to map the consumer journey, like through actual conversation with people, uh, through doing a little bit of like keyword research. Social listening is good because if you use a social listening tool, you can start to figure out where conversations are happening and who's most influential in them. And then mapping out that consumer journey Uh, based on this data. And then from there, you can create a digital roadmap of which channels you're going to be communicating in. And so this could be like a mix of social ads and channels. It could be some partnerships with online communities based on the research that you've done. And then it will be important to have some form of uh seo or content for your site because ultimately we're trying to to drive into the site to capture email and the email acquisition um i think is the biggest opportunity actually in this whole model and to do it very strategically so if we know that we want to be driving offline sales with this then what i would recommend doing is when we get the emails is having people build an account if you're not doing you to see already then have a reason why somebody should sign up for the email and be upfront about what your intentions are, that you are wanting to invite them into like special product launches to hear what they think and getting them to opt in and getting their zip codes or their postal codes, asking them like, where do you typically shop? Where would you like to buy certain types of products and making this seem like a benefit, right? So they want to give you the data. And from there, the reason this is important is that if we're trying to drive an offline event, we need to know where people live and want to shop. Otherwise, we're not going to be as effective, right? Especially if we're doing a test in a key region and we're not national yet. We're, we're only in a certain set of stores, right? So from there, that's when you can start to build um, these relationships and actually have like the offline piece start to happen.
0: Cool. Okay. So you mentioned like one of the most important things is actually capturing their email once they're on your website and you're driving all this traffic to the website. Are there any examples of calls to action to get people to opt in that you've seen to be really successful? Like what exactly should be on that pop-up or that opt-in that is going to compel a potential customer to give you their email because people are so
1: hesitant these days. Oh, great point. Yeah, I think it depends on like what, what your what your category is, like what kind of products you're selling, or what kind of services you offer. So certainly, like ebooks and content still work really well, like if people are searching for advice on a specific kind of topic, and they can download an ebook and your ebook invites them to opt in into a community of like minded people where they're going to also get additional tips or maybe invites to like online events or webinars or even in a, an invitation to an offline event, I think that that can be um, a really good strategy. The other thing could be a straight up offer. So at Social Nature, of course, we uh, provide free products for people to try. And so you can test out different ads with like a free sample on your own website. So that can be a quick way. It's a less less on brand awareness. It's more conversion driven, of course, uh, to get people to sign up so that they could get their free product sample. And sampling, especially in the food business, is really important. Uh, hair and makeup, skincare stuff is also another strategy there. So uh, sampling polls to action could be really, really good depending on the category, of course. Mm,
0: absolutely. And you're right, like when I think of, again, a lot of the products that line my shelves, it's often because I had some sort of test drive of the product, a free sample. And obviously, especially with COVID happening these days, like. I think brands need to get more and more creative of how they are providing that free sample because it might not be at the store level or at a live event, but there's still so many ways to be able to deliver that experiential element even though maybe the typical demo does not exist anymore. Totally. Okay, so second stage of the online to offline um, journey is offline purchase. So you've kind of mastered the online discovery strategy and you're showing up in various channels. And now we're thinking of how we drive that offline purchase, which is converting the online demand to the in-store traffic through targeted trials and offers. So I'm curious, can you give us an example of what this looks like and how can we help consumers overcome the perceived risk of buying a new product through trial and through offers?
1: Yes. So social nature is a good example of this because it's an online discovery platform um, that provides consumers with the opportunity to try products. So we've got 700,000 more than 700,000 consumers that have signed up. And so we're leading with education, right? They get to learn about the brand stories. They get to understand why these products are better for them. We only work with natural brands and then they get to opt in to try the products. So having some kind of model where you are providing like an opportunity to try the product, like a free try uh, can be really good. And so what we'll do is we will have people opt in to try it and then we'll give them a free product voucher that is um, available at a store that they already want to shop for the product at. So it's a really targeted mechanism because we're not asking people to go into a store that they don't already shop at. We're not trying to push an offer at somebody that they don't really care or never opted in in the first place. So that, that works really well. And I'll just kind of restate that again, we, we lead with education, you get them to opt in and then you make sure that your offer is aligned with where they already want to go to buy or shop or look at these products. If you can do that well, um, that's one of the most effective ways to do that. Other brands might leverage like, you know, kind of um, treasure hunt type things. Like maybe you've got an SMS strategy and you've got like, you know, a flash sale or a Black Friday type thing. And it's like, hey, you know, we got this cool offer. Like it's only available this week. Keeping it really high offer, super cool, making it feel exclusive. you have got to get in there during these days, like creating urgency can be another tactic that works well. Um, I think that would work best if you already have like larger scale distribution where a broader strategy like this could work well. And the geo-targeting maybe is a little bit less important.
0: Mm, So cool. And is there an Mm. example of a brand that has done this really, really well?
1: So, you know, to be honest, it's hard. (laughs) Uh, A lot of brands are struggling with this in the sense that they they they're doing like social ads and trying to, to target them into stores, but they're having a problem measuring the impact. So it can be difficult if you're a new brand and don't have a ton of distribution right if you're a larger brand like i mentioned then this is a little bit easier because you've already got enough doors and kind of brick and mortar awareness by virtue of like being in market to leverage these things so what we have found uh one of our clients actually uh sweet nothings um they had a wonderful success with us and we've got a lot of case studies on the socialnature.com website So uh, this company had to pivot from food service uh, during COVID when all of that was shut down and head into the retail market. So they were a super new company, like just getting launched in retail. And um, when we worked with them, we found we got 31,000 consumers that fit their target audience to opt in in a matter of weeks to try the product. Wow. And 98% of them were new to the brand. And they were in a seven-division test at Kroger. And so this worked really well because this demand was mobilized like quickly, as I mentioned before, in that more predictable way to get the consumer to go into the store and try the product. And as they got to try the product, the, the company got a bunch of data on their pricing model, on their experience. And then Kroger ended up um, putting them into a 15-division full rollout after
0: Okay, I know what the listener is thinking. How did you get 31,000 people to opt in?
1: (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Uh, It's so wonderful. I think because we build a community in the first place. So Uh, this is where like this community strategy, like as best we can, regardless of what size company you are, it does take time to build a community. It is an investment, of course. Um, It's having the community ready in the first place. So trying to build those relationships, whether it be like, really cool content or like bringing them into some kind of like online events and things like that or partnering with other like-minded communities can help you and then you're able to to basically you know mobilize that community if you will
0: yeah yeah I'm always thinking like there's got to already be people gathered who this product would be perfect for like where are there already a thousand or ten thousand people in a Facebook group or in a You know a big run group in a city or like they've got to already be gathered somewhere so how can we just simply partner or show up there and like you said mobilize that community that already exists who would be interested in our brand or in our product
1: exactly i think community partnerships are so key uh to growing and if you lead with value you come into that community with a nice authentic intention to bring something of value you can build some really nice relationships that way. And organically, like things will, will start to grow, like because we're leading with value.
0: Mm -hmm. It's so true. And you're right. Like the communities that I am part of as a consumer, when the leader of the community or, you know, when I'm at an event and they endorse a specific product, I already have that trust factor because I'm like, oh, okay. like if you would bring that product in front of us, it means that you vetted it. You obviously like uh, it, like the brand already. So I already have that trust built up. And it's like getting that referral, which is always way easier for me to take a referral than to just just like go blindly search on Google for a product and then have some sort of trust built up.
1: 100%, trust is key. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, so now I want to talk about the third step in the online to offline journey, which is getting feedback. And you say this is really about asking the consumer, what was your experience and seeing, is there user-generated content coming and getting product reviews? So I'm curious, how can we start these conversations like if we know that a certain a group of people have tried the product they've gone in store they've purchased it how do we continue the conversation from there what are some specific techniques that we can use
1: definitely so the first part would be you've heard me talk about this email funnel for a while like during this conversation and specifically um trying to be geo targeted about it if you have if you're not national yet or you have a key region or whatever. So imagine we built our community. We've brought whether it's through partnerships or content or whatever it is, people have now joined our community, they've let us know that they're interested in our brand and our products and where they shop. So the next step is to give them an offer and it's a straight call to action to go get the product. So what you can do is you can actually set up like your email sequences um, to be timed so that you can follow up with them after you, you think they would have gone into that store. So kind okay. of setting up, you know, assuming, you know, Janet and open on the email, you know, whatever on Tuesday, maybe a week later or two weeks later, I, I check in with Janet and I see like, Hey, Janet, what was your experience like? And we want to time this uh, based on what we think the product usage period would be. If it's going to be like skincare, it might be a little bit longer to feel like I can give a review compared to eating a snack bar. So mm-hmm. we can actually follow up with them because we invited them with this offer and then ask them what was their experience or please write a review. You can have a review called action email go out there and just start to get the feedback that way. So that's one way you can do it. And then the other way, well, there's many ways, but that's a good one uh, because it keeps that journey, that consumer journey and that, that entire loop is you can experiment with like on pack stuff. You could have like a QR code in there. That's like, Hey, we'd love to hear what you think. Like please share a review and enter to win X giveaway or whatever. Right. So you're leveraging like, or your signage and people are using QR codes now. Like they, they kind of started quite a long time ago and yeah. no one seemed to care. Right. <laughs> totally. totally here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the covid uh situation people got used to using qr codes because of menus right so it's not like people don't use them anymore they're using them all the time now and people are that behavior has been trained uh with people that own smartphones and a large part of the population now regardless of income does own a smartphone it's become necessary for people right so Mm -hmm. using qr codes and like kind of offline um calls to action with like a qr or something can be another way that we can start getting this, this conversation happening.
0: In terms of collecting reviews, I mean, I know how powerful social proof is, and I feel like every business can benefit from collecting more testimonials, case studies, reviews, etc. Are there any specific tactics or techniques or tools that you recommend brands use in order to collect more of these types of social proof?
1: Yes, uh, Yotpo is a really good platform. It's Y-O-T-P-O. We have an integration with them at Social Nature, and literally we've caught like 2 million reviews over the last few years. Um, So there's a lot of reviews coming uh, from Social Nature. And so Yotpo is integrated with Shopify, which a lot of people's e-stores are on. So that's easy for you to have that, like an integration where after purchase, Yotpo is going to be prompting. And it also enables SMS messaging as well. So you can, through that that platform, not only capture reviews, but then go and like retarget or remarket to people um, through the SMS channels about like your next cool offer. So I would definitely look at them. Um, The other thing that I'd be looking at, like when I'm looking for a review partner is not just can you integrate with my website, but can you syndicate my reviews to other channels? Because the part of the social proof, especially if you're a new company and you don't have a massive community just yet, we want to go and have our reviews on the channels that are bigger back to the community part that you said earlier, Kelsey. So you can look for companies that syndicate to like Google and Facebook and uh, Po is one of them. So that would be definitely a company that I would take a look at and um, you can look at them online and you can see who their competitors are and maybe call a few of them and to see which one resonates for you. Hmm,
0: that's such a good tip. And I will link that in the show notes. I never actually heard of that website, so I'm excited sure, to check yeah. it out and learn more yeah. about it too.
1: And one more thing is the homepage of your site. If you can structure your CMS so that your review feed is coming up there, and then you can ask someone to leave a review, then the reviews are like top and top of mind. And they're also building that trust right away with that new web visitor. So that's like a simple thing to do that sometimes people might not do. And it's another way to like leverage that content.
0: Yeah. I feel like I've seen that more and more on websites. Yeah. Like when you log onto the homepage, there's like some sort of little box that pops up in the bottom left corner or it's right on the homepage integrated. And you're seeing that real time feedback or you're seeing the most recent reviews and something subconsciously happens that you're like, ah, okay, like my mind's at ease and I can trust this brand.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Okay, so now I wanna move into the final step of the online to offline journey. And, you know, I just wanna reiterate, I love that you've mapped this out for us because I think (laughs) so often it's easy to just really dial in on like customer acquisition. How do I find new leads? How do I, you know, get more people to try the product? But we totally forget about nurturing them and making them into lifetime customers and really ensuring that they have an excellent, remarkable experience. And I think like, this is what you guys are highlighting so well. So that final step is amplification, which is about building loyalty, expanding brand reach, and really converting a customer into a brand evangelist. So can you first just crack open like what this amplification stage is and why it's important?
1: Yes, So what we're talking about is scaling our brand and our sales, basically, when we say the word amplification. And the way we're doing that is through the amplification in a way of these these customer relationships. So they are the advocates and they are the ones that are going to be helping us grow, right? It's very simple, but it's something that we sometimes forget about when we just get stuck in numbers, as as you said, right? So what we want to be doing is thinking about like, How can I mobilize my existing customer base to continue to grow my business? And I know that sounds like very simple. Um, However, if you think about it from a relationship and it's a two way street, it's not just you talking at them, but you starting to invite them into a conversation with your company you can start to involve them in your innovation, like set up an innovation lab, invite people in and prototype and test different things, ask them about what different formats, problems, like really involving them in that um, is a great way to build products that people actually want, right? And once you launch them, you can thank the people and report back to them uh, what your progress has been. So that's like one way uh, to think about it. And I think other ways are just to, continue to nurture them with like relevant content. So asking people what would be helpful to them um, and then reading content, events, et cetera, uh, that would be related to that can be, can be good. Mm,
0: I love that. It's really kind of co-creating the future of the brand with your customers instead of just feeling like it's just (laughs) up to the CEO it's just up to the founder because it's like no it's not this is now a team effort and we have to get in conversation and work with our customers who are our team moving forward
1: (laughs) yes exactly exactly
0: So awesome. I mean, there's so much here in these four stages, and I know you outline it in like nine simple steps. So I would definitely encourage people to go download the ebook again, which I'll link in the show notes because you share a lot of tips and I love that you bring in a lot of outside voices too. There's a lot of quotes from consultants and people who have worked in the industry and just a lot of juicy nuggets packed into that ebook. So, I mean, thank you for for creating that. And I really enjoyed reading it. It honestly is a very insightful piece of content. (laughs) Thank Um, you, Kelsey. I do have some final questions sure, because yeah. of course we have a lot of marketers who listen to the yeah. podcast, people who want to become better marketers. So my first question is, is there any trend or area of marketing that you're currently fascinated by or up-leveling your skills in right now?
1: I'm fascinated and always have been, um, the psychology of behavioral change. Ooh. Like i I just, I'm so fascinated by it. I, I, have grown up like i was a national level athlete i've done a lot of like coaching with people in my personal life as a leader i do a lot of coaching in my professional life and i get really excited when i see people like make positive changes regar- yeah. like, regardless of what the goal is and so i feel like marketing and business has the opportunity to do that yes we want to grow our sales yes we have maybe investor targets or stock prices to pay attention to um and when we 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 align like you know, business as a force for good, or we have good intentions in what we're doing. It's really easy to create more authentic. I know that word is so overused. It doesn't even feel authentic to say authentic, but let's just use it for now. Real stuff <laughs> that people actually are going to relate to. So for me, yeah. it's like really understanding, like what is that that person's experience? And like, how can I help them? And what, what needs to happen uh, for them to, to take ownership of the change themselves and want to keep doing the behavior?
0: That's super neat. And yeah, I'm very curious to see where you go with all those learnings, because I think that's something that I would love to crack open as well. Yeah. And it's definitely a juicy topic.
1: And there's um, so much crazy tech now to measure it. It's a little bit nuts, but yeah, yeah. for sure. There could probably <laughs> be like
0: podcast. a 12 a month course on
1: this and yeah, I still wouldn't a- <laughs> know it all.
0: Yeah, it's changing um, so quick. curious what is the best piece of marketing advice that you've ever gotten or a piece of marketing advice that you often give to others
1: sure i've got two so the first one i love this one it was given to me by a vp at a company i worked at a long time ago when i was like just kind of getting started um, as a head of business development i was like a young director at the time and he's like you know just like business is simple people overly complicate it all the time. It's not complicated, like simplify, simplify, simplify. And I think that that's important application in marketing. We really need to just understand like, what is the product that we're we're creating? How does it align with the customer needs and like simplify as best we can uh, and not let all the technical stuff and all the change uh, scare us, like always simplify. Go back to like, what's driving the value here. If you follow the value, you're always gonna unlock the best strategy so that's that's what i would say um about that and i think that um actually using common sense <laughs> and yes. empathy is key if we don't have empathy if you are if you think that you know your product is cool and you're super internally focused and you're not actually market focused like you're not going to be as successful so you have to lead with empathy on your external communications and your product development and in your internal marketing, with your your staff, with your colleagues, like create things and build relationships. So that's what I would say about mm. th- that. Would be my answer. It Can't kind of reminds me.
0: It kind of reminds me of a quote. The second part that you shared um, about like it's common sense. I've heard something <laughs> before that said before there was marketing, there was common sense. <laughs> And for some reason, that really resonated with me because I think we make it so complicated. But again, before like the word marketing was invented, like you just thought, okay, well, like what relationships do I already have? Can I present them with this butter that I churned in my kitchen and, you know, be a nice person while you're doing it? And sometimes I think like we've got to get back to that simplicity, like you said, Um, you know, not making it so complicated. So those are two great pieces of advice. (laughs) My final question for you is, is there a marketing book or a business book or just something that you often refer to as one of, you know, one of the more impactful pieces that you've ever read or books that you've ever read?
1: I love, and this is funny, Analia, the founder of Social Nature, and I share the same favorite book. It's probably why we get along so well. (laughs) Is It's it's called The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. And this book is all about, like, it's grit. It's about building a business when there are no easy answers. And I love that because I've worked in a lot of startups. I've had my own consulting practice. And what I've learned is that um, you can't be out there looking for playbooks and somebody to tell you the right way to do something. Yes, Yes, there are best practices, 100% but if you're looking for that ideal solution like you're not going to find it because things change too quickly there's never going to be enough data there's never going to be this clear signal you can get decent signals but it's not ever going to be 100% predictable that's just the way business is and life is so it's learning how to have the skill to be able to adapt to that kind of environment and to be able to have the courage, if you will, to take chances, like take risks, experiment, 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 and don't be afraid to fail. Failure, being afraid of failure, skills innovation. We have to be afraid or not afraid, excuse me, to go out there and try stuff. And that's what I've done in my marketing career. I've literally done stuff I've never done before. I just made it up and I'm like, uh, it's just give it a try. And it works. It works because you use common sense. You go back to what's driving the value in the first place. What are the goals? And then you create things from there. And so that book is amazing. It's And it's an easy read. It's got a ton of war stories um, from founders of companies. And anybody in business has to. I would highly recommend it. Oh, such a
0: good tip, and I'm excited to read that book because I haven't before. And I love what you said, like, you know, you have to figure out what works for you because anyone could write this marketing playbook and say, follow these 10 steps because this is what worked for me. But by the time they're teaching it to you, you're gonna apply it to your own business and it may not work the same. And then you think, well, what did I do wrong? It's not that you did it wrong. It's just that marketing is an ever-changing landscape and what worked for you know person A is not gonna work for person B. And so you have to constantly be innovating, experimenting, testing, and finding what works for your brand and your business. And I love that, you know, that's a a core kind of value of what you do too, so wow um jessica this has been so much fun so much good info and i feel like our show notes are going to be packed with stuff that the listener can follow up with too so i'll make sure that everything is inside there and i just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing your journey on the marketing hotline podcast and for giving us your time today so where can people connect with you where can they find out about social nature Um, anything that you would like to share so that people can stay in touch
1: Yeah, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn, like under my name. And then for social nature, it's socialnature.com. And if you want to learn about ways to use the online to offline model to drive trial at retail and collect a bunch of feedback and build relationships with consumers, if you are a better for you brand in the space, then you can also email marketing at socialnature.com.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. And we wish you all the best in your future. Thank you, Kelsey. And thanks
1: to the listeners. Uh, This was so much fun. And I hope you all got value out of it. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis. So it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method business coaching experience can accelerate your growth there'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.